Wesley and Lavanda for leading us in the worship this morning. An awesome time together already this morning. And y'all didn't notice I was clapping. That's called knee slapping music. Y'all ever heard that before? Huh? That's a good one. So. All right. Well, Brother Shea asked me as he stepped in the baptismal pool this morning. He said, where are your swimming trunks? I said, well, I'm wearing them. So I already got them wet. So. But anyhow... This morning we'll be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, and I've read you this scripture just briefly, briefly from the baptismal pool. We're going to open up that passive scripture and just see what it is that Matthew's trying to show us about uh, the encounter between Jesus and John the Baptist. Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17, and I titled this message, Responding to Jesus. I've never preached this passage of scripture, but I've studied it a lot, and I use it in baptismal uh, services every time because it's specific. Uh, Brother Carl Harrell was one that my mentor that, that used that passage before he baptized anyone and it just always resonated with me and stuck with me but it has specific value because baptism is significant. I want us to look at that this morning. I want to ask you some questions. I'm going to ask you some pointed things. I want you to think about some things. And we're going to relate it to this passage of scripture and this encounter between John the baptizer and Jesus Christ. Have you ever felt like God was asking you to do something that just didn't make sense? When you think about it, well, Brother Kerry, I saw all the time. Something that just didn't make sense. Maybe it was something that you really weren't comfortable doing. Maybe it just didn't make sense. You weren't comfortable doing it, or you, you just didn't think it had a purpose behind it. Well, why would God want me to do that? Why would he ask me to do that? Why would he be placing that in front of me? God does not call people on mission and expect them to do it on their own. When he calls you into service, when he calls you on mission, when you become a Christian and you start in the, the role of being a Christian, which is a disciple, becoming a disciple maker, when God calls you into that, he leads you. He never expects you to do it on your own. He equips you for the call of service. So, Carrie, Brother Carl, um, Brother Carrie, God hasn't called me into service yet. Well, let me ask you something. Has he called you to be a Christian? Because when he's called you and you accepted that call, you go on mission with him. Maybe God has been calling you to do something for him and you've been a little hesitant. You've maybe been a little resistant, a little hesitant because you feel like it really doesn't make sense what he's asking me to do. Perhaps God has laid it on your heart to be a Sunday school teacher. Well, here we go. He's promoting Sunday school. Well, let me tell you something. Sunday school is an awesome part of ministry. Amen? A lot of study goes into Sunday school. A lot of preparation. A lot of time. Maybe God's calling you to be a Sunday school teacher and you have the feeling, so, well, I'm, I'm just not qualified. I just don't know enough about the Bible to be able to lead a Sunday school class. I'm not a teacher. Or somebody else will do it. Somebody else will take that role. Let me give you some valuable advice. If you want to learn more about God's Word, you have to dig deeper into His Word. Amen? You've got to get into His Word. If you want to learn about somebody, you've got to invest in them. You've got to look at them. You've got to study them. If you want to, you want to learn something about a person, you've got to study that person. You've got to invest in time in them. You want to learn more about God's Word, you've got to study and you've got to dig deep into it. Preparing for a Sunday school lesson calls an individual to dig deeper into God's Word. If you're a teacher, you say amen right now. Amen. It, hours and hours. If you want to just sit in a Sunday school class, it's one thing. You can read your lesson and you can sit in the class. But if you want to teach that lesson, you want to say, well, I want to make sure that, that I expose it the way it's supposed to be exposed, that people get from it what God wants them to get from it. So I have to dig into it. 
Believe me, you can ask any Sunday school teacher how much effort they put into it. I watched Patty put hours and hours into that 20 to 30 minute lesson that she teaches every other Sunday. And it's such a blessing that God would use her and, and others just like her. But I get to see that. Don't miss out on the call that God wants for you because you want to rationalize it. You want to try to make it make sense, what he wants you to do, things that make sense. You know, some people in our, our congregation get platforms that they get to stand on, and they get to speak on behalf of God the Father, and they use those. Lauren did that this past Friday. was a week ago. She took a platform that she had, and she got to share God's love. She got to talk about Jesus, an opportunity to, to get that, that she could have passed on, but she didn't pass on, and I appreciate that, and I, I'm, I'm proud of her, and I know her parents are for that as well. Throughout the Bible, God has asked people to do things that they just didn't understand. Man, you look at it in the Old Testament, there's prophets. There's all kinds of people in the Old Testament that God asked them to do things they didn't understand. When you look at the disciples, God had placed things in the disciples and told the disciples to do certain things and things that they didn't comprehend And we look at the way they responded to the things that he had asked them to do. Things that didn't make sense. Some people responded positively. And they followed God's plan. They followed God's word. Now you think about Moses. How he responded when God placed it on his heart. What he was supposed to do. How he hesitated. Some people hesitated and then they followed after it was all said and done. And then some people simply rejected what Christ wanted them to do. And what God wanted them to do in their lives. Some hesitated and some followed. The key to following what God wants you to do is summed up in one word. You know what it is? It's called obedience. Being obedient to what he wants us to do. Being available because he wants us to do it. And being obedient to the call he's given us, the gifts he's given us, the way he wants to share the gifts that he's given us with other people. Obedience. This morning, we're going to open up God's word to the gospel of Matthew and see how Matthew described the encounter with John the baptizer. And Jesus, when Jesus presented himself to John at the Jordan River to be baptized by him. If you are able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word? Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13, reading through 17, says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. Jesus answered, Allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And the voice of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Pray with me, please. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. God, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. In the earlier... Verses and chapters, uh, early verses of chapter 3 in Matthew's gospel, we see where John the Baptist or John the Baptist was preaching in the wilderness. He was preaching a, a message of repentance, 
a change that needed to take place. The kingdom of heaven was near, referring to Jesus Christ, referring to the, the, the Son of God being near, preaching a, a message of repentance and that Jesus Christ was near. He had repeated the prophecies of Isaiah, and many, many people were coming to John to be baptized in the Jordan River. And you would think that John would have been the focal point of these baptisms. These people would have been coming because of John the Baptist. But let's, let's, let's dig on in, down into this. He repeated the prophecies of Isaiah, and many people were coming to know uh, Jesus Christ as a result of it and being baptized and repenting. But John made it very clear that he was not the focal point of his ministry. He made it very clear, and he says there, that very clear that the one to come is more powerful than I am. The one to come is more important than I am. I'm just the forerunner for the important one who's going to come, and that he was not even worthy. John said, I'm not even worthy to loose the strap on his sandal or take his sandal off of his feet. Now, you got to know in this particular day and time, the lowest servant in the household was the one who was in charge of taking the sandals and the shoes off of people's feet and the visitors that would come in and washing their feet. That was the lowest form of servanthood. The lowest servant did that. And John says, I'm not even worthy to loosen the strap and take the sandal off of his foot. It's amazing what he said. This is a humble response to an obedient servant. When you think about it, and Jesus Christ demonstrated that exact same thing when he washed the disciples' feet. He stepped into that same role. The word humble service is what we want to look at. Obedient servant, one who was following in the call that God had given him to do. John had a mission. Man, he had a mission. He was on mission. God had, had set him aside to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. We know that throughout his life and throughout his ministry. But now the story goes on. But then the Bible says that Jesus appears before John at the Jordan River and asks to be baptized by John. Can you imagine what it would be like if Jesus stepped in front of you and asked you to do something for him? Something that didn't make sense. Something that looked like it's a little bit out of ordinary. Something that, this is totally out of character for what I've been doing. You think about what John had doing. I could see where John would have been a little bit on the puzzled side with this, wouldn't you? You see, they say, look at this. Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He was a, the Messiah. He had nothing to repent. John had been pe- preaching a message of repentance, which means change the way. Change away from the worldly into the spiritual. Turn your life over to Jesus Christ. Here is Jesus Christ presenting to him, saying, I need to be baptized. And he says, you've got nothing to repent. There's no change that needs to take place in your life. There's no radical change from what, what I'm doing, what I'm talking about. How is it that you're coming before me? Can you see how John would be a little bit caught off guard here? Think about your own life when God asks you to do something not even this intense. And you're going, well, Lord, I'm not sure if that really makes sense. You know, if I really should be doing that. Look at what John had to do. He's the one that Jewish people have been waiting their whole lives for. God, the Messiah, was in front of him, standing there. He knew he was coming. He was telling people he was coming. He knew he had to be there. He recognized him when he saw him. I mean, he knew who he was. You know, John's uh, most likely thinking this. My role is to prepare the way and then get out of the way. Isn't that amen? That's his role. Well, you think about our Christian walk, our Christian life. Our role is to prepare the way, to share the gospel, to show God's unconditional love, to invest in people's lives, and then what? Get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do the work. 
Because the Holy Spirit is the one who does the work. He is the one who causes change to take place. And now we see after all the things that John had been doing, all the preaching and all the baptizing that he had been doing, Jesus is standing right there in front of him asking to be baptized by him. The first thing out of John's mouth was what? I need to be baptized by you. Man, you're the Messiah. I need to be baptized by you. There's three specific things that are unique about this encounter with Jesus and John the Baptist. And if you're taking notes, these are the three things I want you to write down. Three unique, different things that that take place in this encounter. First, sometimes God asks us to do things that are unusual. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he asks us to do things that are unusual. Sometimes God asks us to do things that we don't fully understand. We don't fully comprehend. John immediately recognized that this was something strange. It's an unorthodox nature that Jesus has asked of him. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why would the sinless Jesus Christ need to be baptized? That's the first question. Why would he need to be baptized? Why would he need to be baptized? Jesus' answer was simple. Now, let me tell you something. Jesus makes it simple. He makes salvation simple. He offers it as a free gift. He gives John a simple answer. He said, it should be done to fulfill all righteousness. Well, maybe I still don't understand that. Maybe you don't understand what does he mean, but let's dig a little bit deeper. In Christ's substitutionary death on the cross, he would bear the transgressions of all sinners. He would take our sins upon his shoulders, and in turn, he would give out grace. Amen? You swapping grace for sin. Isn't that a good swap? Amen. Swapping sin for grace. He gives us perfect righteousness, all right? Jesus is going to give us perfect righteousness because of the sacrifice that he's going to make. So as his ministry began, as Jesus' ministry began, he intends to identify with human humanity. He wants to identify with us. He's got to be the model for us. He's got to go through the motions that, that we deal with so that he can say, I know how you feel. I created you but I know exactly the emotions that you're dealing with. He wants to identify with humanity because God's law had to be fulfilled. Not because he was a sinner, but because he wanted to relate to sinful humanity. Throughout the ministry and throughout Jesus' ministry, he was going to deal with human emotions. And he was going to deal with struggle. He was going to overcome struggle. He was going to deal with sadness. He was going to deal with all the different emotions we have. And he was going to give us an example that we needed to have to be able to follow and live a Christian life. If you want to know how to live and be a Christian, look at Jesus' life. Look at the time. Read the Gospels. You're starting in Mark. That's the one I recommend a lot of people start. If you want to see his life, read the Gospels. See what he did. He gives us a perfect model of how to live the Christian life. Maybe that didn't make sense to John, but Jesus knew it was right and what was fitting. He didn't give John some long theological explanation about what he came to do or anything. He didn't tell him in a detailed dictionary form issue. He just simply said, it should be done. Man, God, if, if Christ tells you it should be done, what's your response to him? When he lays it on your heart, what he wants you to do, what's your response? He says it should be done. I can tell you. There's been times in my life when I responded with a little bit of resistance. Man, I, I have responded with hesitation. When God has, you know, God, this really doesn't make sense. You know, I'm a, I'm a medicine man, right? I do things a little bit different. You're giving me this, this gift. This is what I like to do. But God will lead you in some unusual ways directing your decisions. He's directed me in some decisions that, that didn't make sense. 
They were out of character. Perhaps many of you have similar situations. Perhaps many of you have gone through similar situations. But I have learned in my walk with God that one thing that I have learned and one thing that I like to share and want to tell you is that I want to be obedient. I want to be available and I want to be obedient. And I want to submit to the things that are clearly from God. Now, let me tell you something. You know if it's from God, right? How many of you ever said, this has got to be from God? Anybody? Man, you know when it's from God. You know when it's not from God. When you know when it's of God. This is from God. When God calls you, when he leads you, too many things fall into place. This has got to be from God. When you, you want to submit to the things that God's leading you to do, because when you're inside of God's will, that's when you're going to get the blessings that he's got in store for you. And he's got blessings for each of you. He wants to share them with you, but you've got to be inside of his will to get those blessings. You've got to be following and letting him lead. That's the important part. We might not understand it at first. It might be hard, but submitting to his will results in those blessings. Church, let me ask you a question. If God seems to be leading you in something unusual, or if the direction doesn't seem to make sense, and you might be find yourself just tapping on the brakes a little bit. Say, Lord, you've got to slow down. This is moving way too fast. Anybody ever had that before? And this is moving just way too fast for me. It's unusual. You may feel the pressure to know all the ins and outs. Man, I've got to know all the details before I can go through with that. Before I can do that, I've got to know all the details that's going along with that. Let me tell you something. Don't require God to give you a full explanation. He's not required to give you a full explanation. He's just required to, to tell you to do it. And your job is to be obedient. If John the baptizer could be used by Jesus Christ, and we know that, that God used him from, from, from the beginnings of his conception all the way throughout his ministry. We know that he did. And if Christ specifically would use him in this exact moment and say this, allow it from now because this is the way to fulfill all righteousness. If he can use John the Baptist who, who had, no, had hesitation, then he could use you. The same thing can happen to you and he can use you the same way. Open up your life to God for the unusual and let him work in your life and trust him completely. Second thing. The second thing we can learn from this encounter between John and Jesus is the fact that the Lord accomplishes unusual things in the ways that he knows are best. Man, we might think we know the best way to do something. We might think that we're in charge of it and that we, we've done it before. We know the best way. But God calls you and he wants to accomplish the unusual things because he knows the ways that are best. He doesn't always accomplish them the same way. He doesn't accomplish them in, in different people's lives. The same scenario might present in different people's lives. But he accomplishes them in different ways because they're individual to the people he's dealing with. That's why it's called personal relationship. That's why we have a personal relationship with our, our Father, our Creator. When we come to know Jesus Christ, it's not a blanket, a blanket gift. He gives us the same gift, but he gives it to you individually. It's the one personal relationship that we have with our creator. He works in our lives individually and personally, and he calls all Christians into service. The key is to let him leave. Hence the, the famous two words that we've gone over and over. Follow me. Those were two key words that Jesus used. He wants you to follow him. Wherever he leads, I will go. He wants us to follow him. God may not lead uh, us the same way. And he does lead completely different direction when he leads someone in, in different times. But when he leads, he does it his way. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says this. And he himself, he himself gave some to be apostles, 
some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. Equipping the saints, that's what we're doing. When you're investing in VBS, when you're, when you're going to Sunday school, when you're doing small group studies, when you're, you're coming to church services, it's equipping the saints because there's a, a lost and dying world out there. There's sadness out there. There's people who do not know Jesus right outside of these doors. They don't know who he is. They don't know where they're going. They have no hope. Equipping the saints for the work of his ministry, which is sharing the unconditional love that he has for us, the agape-type love. Man, talking about Jesus is exciting. Amen? Build up the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. Believers, Christians are the body of Christ. We want to build them up. We want to grow closer together. We want to strengthen them so that when we encounter those difficult struggles, when we encounter those difficult times, when we have those issues of medical issues and, and struggle, that we can walk through them together. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20. Common. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. That's the the bottom, the last line of that is so important. Jesus didn't tell you to go do anything by yourself. He says, remember, I'll be with you even to the ends of the age. Life's a struggle, and boy, I can't imagine going through life and struggling without Jesus. Third thing, the third thing about this encounter. When we are obedient to God's call, we become intimately connected with him. It's intimacy. We become connected with him on a personal relationship in the, in the work of righteousness. When Christ made this statement to John at the Jordan River, he immediately responded with obedience. Now, he hesitated to start with, but when Jesus said it needs to be done to fulfill all righteousness, instantly John responded to Jesus' will and allowed him to be baptized. Verse 15 says this, then John allowed him to be baptized. That, that word just catches me off guard. John allowed Jesus to be baptized? He didn't have any choice. Man, he didn't have any choice. The the Holy Spirit was there. The Holy Spirit was moving. John was receptive. He was obedient, and he baptized Jesus Christ. John moved out of the way and let Jesus have his way. And the Bible says a moment later, the heavens opened up, and God reached down from heaven himself and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am royal pleased. This very moment, you see the Trinity all together. You see the Father reaching down from heaven descending like a dove. You see the Holy Spirit speaking, and you see Jesus Christ being the the recipient of the baptism. John's ministry consisted of preparing the way for Jesus Christ. He'd been baptizing people with water and preaching repentance that the kingdom of heaven was near. Jesus was not baptized because he was a repentant sinner. This baptism was completely different than any other baptism that John had done to this point. And he had baptized hundreds of hundreds of people, and this one was completely different. He knew who Jesus was. Scripture tells us that John recognized Jesus' mother Mary's voice while he was still in the womb. Amen? Man, from the very beginning, he knew the Savior was there. He knew the presence of Jesus Christ was there in Mary's uh, body. He knew that her voice, he recognized it through the power of the Holy Spirit. He knew all these things. He even went as far as said, this is the one whose sandals I am not fit to untie. This was a completely different baptism than he had ever done. But let me tell you, why was Jesus baptized? 
One, it gives validity to John's ministry. John had been preaching a, a message of repentance. This baptism gave validity and solidity of John's uh, ministry. And it identified Jesus who came to save humanity. I mean, he, he put himself down there for us. He was baptized for us to be just like us. He went to the cross for us because of the love he had. He had the pain. He had the struggle. He had the emotions. Everything that we had, he's dealt with. Church, let me ask you another question. Could it be that the unusual nature of God leading you has caused you to be resistant or even reluctant to step out of your comfort zone? Because, man, we don't, we don't like to get out of that comfort zone much. We like to stay where things are smooth and comfortable, don't we? And we don't like to get out of it. There's sometimes we've got to step out. I want you to think about the life of John. And after a time of initial resistance, stepped out of his comfort zone, he baptized the Savior of the world. He got out of his comfort zone, and he did exactly what Jesus told him to do. God knows what you're dealing with. He knows what you're going through. He knows what's in your life. Don't panic. That's a word. Don't panic. You only need to trust and follow him and let him lead. And just like that, that old hymn says, trust and obey because there's no other way. Sing it with me. To be happy in Jesus, but to what? Trust and obey. God loves us, man. God loves us so much. He's a, he gives us unconditional love. The Father loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Man, he offers heaven as a free gift. It's not something we deserve. We deserve hell. But God offers heaven as a free gift for us. And that's through the promise of Jesus Christ. God the Father said in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Ephesians 2.8 says this, By grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift from God. Everybody loves to get a gift. And we love gifts. This is the ultimate gift. Man is a sinner and cannot save himself. We need a Savior. Romans 3.23 says this, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin creates a separation between us and the Father. He can't get to us. We can't get to him because of sin. And he had to create something. He had to solve that problem. He did that through Jesus Christ. He gave us eternal life through the salvation of Jesus Christ on the cross. Romans 10, 13 says this. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's the best, that's the best verse ever. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what your thoughts have been like, how you've lived. It says in the Bible, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He'll forgive you. He'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life. Your eternal destination will be set. You'll be in heaven with him from that point on. Friend, when our time is over on this earth, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. We're going to spend eternity with Father and God and the Holy Spirit in heaven. Or we're going to spend eternity completely separated from us in hell. And the decisions that we make in this life determine where we spend eternity. Perhaps today... You'd like to be sure and know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. Romans 10.9 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God made it simple. Man, let me tell you something. Going to church doesn't get you to heaven. 
You know, baptism doesn't get you to heaven. Baptism is a sign of obedience. Trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior is what assures your eternal destination. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I'll be down front. In a moment, we'll have a hymn of invitation. If you want to turn your life over to him, this will be a time to do it. Our deacons will be ready to pray with you if you need someone to pray with you. If you've got issues that you want to take to the feet of Jesus, the, the altar is open. Whatever the decision you have, this, this is your time of invitation. This is a time when it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. This is a, a vertical conversation, a vertical time when you, you pray through the power of the Holy Spirit to God the Father and you let him direct you in whatever decisions you might have. Whatever it is, let him be in control. Father God, I come before you this evening or this morning. God, just thanking you for your word. Thanking you for the truth that's in your word. Thanking you for, for Jesus. God, just thanking you for the love of Jesus. Father, thanking you for the fact that, that you loved us enough that you would send your son to die for me, a, a sinner. So, Father, just I thank you for that. Father, if there's one person the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, God, I pray that this day would be the day that they would come to know you and they would turn their life over to you. Father, for others in our congregation, God, those that are dealing with struggle, those that are dealing with sadness, those that are dealing with sickness, God, I just pray that you would move among them. God, let the Holy Spirit just... Be present among them and let them feel your presence like never before. Father, whatever the situation, I ask that you bless in our time of invitation. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.